everybody, welcome back to the Bible Tidbit Podcast. Glad you joined us today. We're going back to the book of Genesis, chapter 3 today. Chapter 3 is where the story starts to shift just a little bit, as we'll see. But before we go too deep into it, I want to start us off with our devotional thought. And this is from the Valley of Vision. It says, Sovereign Lord, thy will is supreme in heaven and earth, and all beings are creatures of thy power. Thou art the father of our spirits. Thy inspiration gives us understanding. Thy providence governs our lives. But, O God, we are sinners in thy sight. Thou hast judged us so. And if we deny it, we make thee a liar. Yet in Christ thou art reconciled to thy rebellious subjects. Give us the ear of faith to hear him, the eye of faith to see him, the hand of faith to receive him, the appetite of faith to feed upon him, that we might find in him light, riches, honor, eternal life. Thou art the inviting one. May we hearken to thee, the almighty instructor. Teach us to live to thee, the light dweller, inaccessible to man and angels, hiding thyself behind the elements of creation, but known to us in Jesus. Possess our minds with the grandeur of thy perfections. Thy love to us in Jesus is firm and changeless. Nothing can separate us from it. And in the enjoyment of it, nothing can make us miserable. Preserve us from hypocrisy and formality in religion. Enable us to remember what thou art and what we are. To recall thy holiness and our unworthiness. Help us to reach thee clothed with humility for vanity, forwardness, insensibility, disorderly affection, backwardness to duty, proneness to evil are in our hearts. Let us never forget thy patience, wisdom, power, faithfulness, care, and never cease to respond to thy invitations. As we begin today to look at Genesis chapter 3, we'll be going through all of chapter 3. If you look at the title, the heading in your Bible, it probably says something to the effects of the fall. And this chapter is where we see sin enter into the world. So through chapter 1, we see creation, God Almighty, creating the heavens and the earth. Chapter 2, we saw the specific creation of man, how the relational God formed man. And now to chapter 3, we see where things start to fall away. This is where paradise is lost through a willful act of rebellion to God. And the curses received through the fall make the institution of marriage far more difficult that we saw earlier. And we see many other difficulties that will come about as a result of the fall. Many difficulties we still face today. And the problem all starts from man questioning God. Questioning what he said. See, our sin is a result of Adam's sin. We cannot not sin and regain what was lost here in this fall. So we're going to see the results of this sin throughout the whole Bible and throughout history, even into our own personal lives. And the specific curses that we see pronounced here in this chapter, we're going to see highlighted through the rest of the book of Genesis. There's just so much that hinges on this fall. You know, there's a lot of other places in the Bible that reference 
this chapter, and I'm going to put those down in the description because there are many and we can't get to them all today. But in the first part of this chapter, we see Satan desiring to make man question God. You know, he said to the woman, did God actually say what he said? And whenever Satan references God, he doesn't reference him as Yahweh. Yahweh is his almighty, or Yahweh is his relational name. And Satan doesn't enjoy that relationship. He references him as Elohim, which is the almighty creator name of God. And we see that the deceiver always wants to make you question God. Here, he does it to start the first fall, and he does it in our own lives. You know, he wants us to question God and for us to justify our sin. And we see Eve right out the gate begins to stumble. You know, as she talks to the serpent, there's this inaccuracy as she speaks. You know, just like with false teachers, there is some truth in what the serpent says. You know, it's not completely devoid of truth. But whenever Eve refers to the tree, she, she refers to it by the location, not the name. You know, she's making less of it. And the serpent's speaking just enough truth to drag Eve along, and she is going with it. Then we see Adam. He's supposed to be the leader during when all this is happening. You know, he was the one to whom God gave the command to lead. He's supposed to be in charge. Yeah, here we see he's present and he's silent. You know, he, he's just letting all of this happen. And the word good calls our minds back to the creation. It calls our minds to the goodness of creation as well as forward to how we see that now only God is good. The first thing that they felt after they finally did eat this fruit was shame. They quickly left shame behind, though, and moved to blame. You know, they were once able to walk with God, which shows the fellowship that they had with him. We're going to see others will walk with God, and they're noted for their righteousness. But we see that this walk with him is distorted by what they've done, by disobeying God. We see God, he turns to Adam first. And he's doing this to bring out Adam's responsibility in the situation. And what the tree is called shifts again. But it's shifted now to the tree that they were not supposed to eat of. So through this, we're seeing kind of this back and forth, how the, the deceiver is speaking a little bit of truth on a whole lot of lie to Eve and tricks her Adam is complacent in this whenever he should be speaking up he's not he's just standing there quietly and then we see that the shifting of the terminology and then finally says no that is the tree i told you not to eat of yet you did and because of all of this because of what has happened there must be a punishment god will never leave sin unpunished and first here, we see kind of a reversal, back and forth reversal. And the first thing he does here is towards the serpent. And he's cursed above all other animals. 
The first part of the curse on the serpent is humiliation. He's going to go on his belly. And the second part of the curse is eventual defeat. There is some debate whether the offspring or the seed of the woman is singular, which would point to Christ, or plural, which would point to all of mankind. I believe that it's singular and refers to Christ. first reason I believe this is is how the ESV translate it, and I trust that version. I trust the translators of this version. But I don't want to stop there. You know, second, the Septuagint, also known as the LXX, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, they translate it as the word autos, which is the singular he. And the last reason I believe that it's singular pointing to Christ is that it fits within the pattern of Scripture and that each new main character that enters the story in Genesis is anticipated to be this seed. But we ultimately see that they are not. And as I saw in a children's book one time, Jesus is the snake crusher. So that leaves, that leaves three, three versions why I think that points to Jesus. One version is, or one reason, is a translation that I trust in other areas translates that way. They know more about the Hebrew than me. Second is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which I know Greek, says singular he. And then the context of the story of Genesis, I think, easily points to he. And how Jesus will eventually become, and he will crush the head of the serpent. We then see the result of the curse on woman. You know, it's seen in almost every woman in Genesis will see the result of this curse. You know, this curse, I want to know, it's not as harsh sounding than what the serpent got and what the man will get. You know, even though there is pain in childbearing, it is through that childbearing that the serpent will eventually be crushed, that the defeat will eventually be realized for him. You know, and then the second part of it is the man is to be the leader, but because of sin, the woman will desire it. And throughout the story of Genesis, we're going to see all the prominent women have trouble in childbearing. We're going to see their desire to be the leaders, though their husband shall be that. So we see that curse realized throughout the book of Genesis. It's highlighted in that and we still see it today you know in a lot of modern cultural things this is not the way that people want to live but this is the way that the bible has prescribed it from the beginning you know people say that that's not equal well yes men and women are equal but we have different roles we have different responsibilities we have different areas that we are supposed to operate we are perfectly equal in our standing before God. But we're not supposed to be doing the same things. Men aren't supposed to give birth. That's just biologically how we are made. In the same way, men are stronger than women, as we see in a lot of the sports topics of today. We can see that God fundamentally made us different. And that is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. And when we operate within those differences, we can see the beauty of how man and woman complement each other But that's something that our culture is getting away from today. But know this, it is grounded in the creation story. And we see the effects of it in the fall. And we see the effects of of the fall still today through this. 
Then we have Adam's curse. You know, Adam's curse is the cursing of the ground. And now he's going to have to get his food out of that cursed ground. And the curse also brings out how Adam was made from the ground. And he's going to return to it in death. You know, everything has turned from creation's bliss to sin's burden. This burden that Adam has to bear is a perpetual reminder of our sin. And it's the same for us today. Our toils remind us of our sin. And this burden, it also lasts until death. We see in verse 19, specifically the part of Adam's curse there, we see a a pattern develop. And this pattern is used throughout the Bible that we will see. But it helps us to see the emphasis of the passage. And we see this throughout. Most of Genesis follows this pattern. But in the first part of it, we could label this A. And imagine kind of an arrow going in. So B will be slightly offset from A. So A, we see that first part in verse 19. It says, you return. There, or I guess it's the middle part of 19. It says, till you return to the ground. So you return. And at the very end of it, it says, you shall return. So those link together, that beginning of that section, the end of that, that piece of that verse. Then we see to the ground. You return to the ground. And then there at the last part, to the dust. That'll be the, the second, the B section. And then the C section of this, which is where we're pointing in towards our emphasis. So we have an A at the beginning, A at the end, B slightly past the beginning, B slightly before the end, then C right there in the middle where it says, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust. You're taken out of the ground and you are dust. That's the emphasis that, that the author is pointing here in this curse. It's the emphasis that God is showing us in this curse. That there, that you were taken out of the ground, you're nothing more to dust. And you're going to return to that in the end. That's a result of the curse. And we see this, this pattern where it incrementally works its way in, has links at the beginning and end um, throughout Scripture. And it often will point us straight to what the focus of that part is. So definitely look at that. Um, I'll try to illustrate that down in the description so you can see it probably a little easier. So if that's not making much sense, check down there. And I will try to get that down there. It's helpful to see those patterns as we read through Scripture. Um, you know, you might often think, wow, he's ending this passage the same as he started it. We'll look in the middle, too, because most likely it'll keep following that general pattern throughout the whole passage, pointing you towards something. So very common ancient writing technique. So we've seen the curse of the serpent, the curse of the woman, the curse of Adam. And now we have this final part of their punishment. And that's that they are removed from the garden. Now all of their curses can take effect. You know, they lose access to the tree of life. This section doesn't end without hope. It seems hopeless throughout it all, except for the promise of the snake crusher. 
but it seems to be fall and curse and, and downtroddenness here. But there's hope. See, Adam, he names his wife, exercising his headship, as we talked about there in the creation account. And he names her Eve because she is the source of all life. And God provides for them by clothing them. The language of sending out is similar to Ishmael from Abraham. And the scapegoat of Leviticus 16 in the sacrifice. They're sent out of the garden. But it's not over for them. We're going to see, you know, more corruption take place on earth. We're going to see more fallenness continue throughout. But remember, it's not over. This passage doesn't end without hope. And as we go through life, we need to remember the effects of sin. This is where they start, but this certainly is not where they end. This is where man first failed, but now we continually fail because we are born into this. Every one of us. Bible says that no one does good. No, not one. No one seeks God. You know, we all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. This isn't something that we escape. And it's highly relevant to us because this includes us. You know, these curses include us. Ask a woman that's given birth. There's pain there. Unless she was put under or something by many of today's modern drugs. But for natural childbearing, there's birth. Ask a farmer. There's toil in working the ground, but there's toil in all forms of work, not just farming. You know, look to the feminist movements of our day, and we see that they're wanting to distort the created order most of the time. Look at the serpent. He's still in his belly. Still in constant humiliation. Most people don't like him. If you do, I think you're weird. So we see so much still today as a result of this fall, as a result of this decision, and the curse is still affecting us today. This still continues on throughout all of life. And there's a need out of this. There is a need for salvation. There's a need for forgiveness because of this, they, they are out of the garden, which the garden was representative for, with fellowship with God. So they're removed from the garden. They're removed from that fellowship with God. We see in the book of 1 John that fellowship is such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so to be with that fellowship, it creates a separation between them and God. And that separation is one that can only be bridged by the perfect sacrifice can only be bridged by that snake crusher. And so that points us all towards Jesus and our need for him because he is the snake crusher. He is the perfect sacrifice. He is the one that can bridge the gap that was created here in Genesis 3 and bring us back into that perf perfect relationship with God. We will still sin in that. We will still fall short of what he desires of us but we're forgiven of it. As we close today, I want to read from Psalm chapter 22, verse 15. It says, My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. 
This dust of death is much related to the curse. For from you are from the dust, and to the dust you shall return. That's all our lives here on earth are. Dust. That's where we're going to return in the end. Or our bodies at least. But if you have that right relationship with Jesus, that does not have to be the end for your soul. Next week, we're going to move on from this fall to chapter 4. We're going to see a lot in chapter 4. We're going to see sin continue. And that's going to be what goes on for pretty well the whole Bible, is that sin will continue and the effects of it. But next week, we're going to see it escalate from the simple one disobedience of God's kingdom, which one disobedience, going against one of God's commands, is deserving of eternal punishment. But we're going to move from that to see it elevate and continue to grow more and more as we travel through the history of earth. I thank you all for joining me, and I hope to see you all next time.